0: Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today my guest is Ben Stein, and Ben is the editor and publisher of Panbow.com, the marine electronics hub. Ben's also the electronics editor for Power and Motor Yacht Magazine and PassageMaker Magazine. And recently he was the co-chair of the Innovation Award judging panel for the Miami Boat Show. So that is actually our topic today. We are going to talk about some of those innovations in boating that were awarded in Miami. Before I bring Ben into the conversation, as always, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Ben Stein, thank you for joining me today.
1: My pleasure, Kim. Good morning.
0: Good morning. You're coming to us from beautiful Fort Myers, which is a great place to be right about now.
1: It certainly is. It beats our home port of Chicago this time of year.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So for starters, for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with you, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your boating experiences.
1: Sure. So uh, as I mentioned, from Chicago, we spent uh, about 10 years on our boat on Lake Michigan, cruising the lake, I had had a lifelong fascination with probably the sort of Mark Twain romantic notion of cruising down the Mississippi to New Orleans and da-da-da-da-da. And then I started looking into it, of course, like so many others, stumbled across the Great Loop, stumbled across the AGLCA, realized that my romantic notion was probably not what I actually envisioned. And, uh, The rest is sort of history. In uh, August of 2016, my wife and I and our two daughters, then nine and six, left from Chicago aboard our 57-foot Carver Voyager, uh, named Have Another Day. Spent 14 months cruising the Great Loop, uh, pretty much doing every side trip we could get our hands on, enjoying really every minute of it. And somewhere along the way, changing our plans from taking a year-long break from life to Kind of reinventing our life and figuring out a a new way to live and make all of this work, we for the last three and a half years or so have lived almost f- exclusively on the boat we We do still own a home in Chicago though it 's sad and lonely um, but we we spend probably ten months or more of the year on on our boat, as you mentioned. we arrived in Fort Myers for six weeks about ten months ago uh, and uh, have enjoyed ourselves so much here that we've, we've, we've been here for the last 10 months, uh, plan to be here a couple of more months and then pick up some more cruising on the East Coast, hopefully get over to the Bahamas this spring and summer. And then uh, that's really as far as we like to plan because if we plan any further, we just change our mind. Mm-hmm.
0: So, as I said, you're the editor and publisher of PanBo.com, and PanBo.com is our newest AGLCA sponsor, so we appreciate your sponsorship. Go ahead and tell us how that came about and how you um, kind of became one of the go to electronics experts in the voting industry.
1: Certainly. So, my career before we left for the loop was uh, in financial services technology, so I have a lot of experience running mission critical infrastructure for. Large financial companies, and uh, as I was refitting our own boat for the for the loop, I uh, consumed a lot of the information that was out there, much of it coming from Panbo, and By the time we got back and it was time to start looking at how to to go about reinventing what I do, I ended up talking to Ben Ellison. Uh, the the names are sure purely coincidence, I promise, but uh, we, we did manage to keep it simple. Um, so I started talking to Ben Ellison about uh, writing for him a little bit, maybe seeing what that was all about, and started doing that. Things went very well, and about uh, coming up on two years ago, about a year and a half ago now, ended up taking over the the, the publication and really making that my 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 main. Job as and it's uh, you know for me it's really been great. It is the opportunity that uh, you don't get real often to combine uh, what you're passionate about and what you care about with what you do for a living, and so that's been great. Um, My background has always been as a tinkerer. Uh, You know, my parents tell the stories of of my disassembling portions of the home that they apparently didn't think were supposed to be disassembled. Mm Uh, so it, it goes back a ways for me about tinkering and, you know, wanting to figure out how things work and how to make them better. And PANBO is a little bit unique in the uh, marine field because the primary way that I test and review and before me been tested and reviewed equipment is with in-depth and fairly long tests on a, on our own boats. So rather than mostly just going and looking at something and writing about what you saw, most of what PAMBO's about is installing it and writing about how it works in a real-world setting. Uh, so my experience on the Great Loop, my experience as a long-range cruiser, has been invaluable as I have uh, dove headlong into into this field and really have a sense of, you know, not just how things work when the boat's tied to the dock, but how things work when the boat is being used day in and day out. and in sometimes less than ideal conditions and the like.
0: So you basically have kind of a a moving electronics lab going on on the boat, which I'm sure is is a a blast for you.
1: I do. uh, It is a blast for me. It is sometimes a source of a little bit of frustration to those with whom I share my floating lab and, oh, by the way, our home. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, but but I would say that my family is, is very tolerant and does very well rolling with you know, the, the realities that are things like, how do I turn on the lights up here? Because I tried the switch that worked last week and it doesn't work. Oh, yeah, we moved that. It's, you know, it's over here now. And um, there is a lot of that. And uh, as, as you said, for me, it's a lot of fun. For others, it's sometimes a source of a little frustration.
0: Well, Laura is a patient woman, I'm sure. So I'm sure it works out just fine. And uh, if you have not met the Stein family on the water, Laura homeschools the girls or boat schools the girls. um, And they just really have embraced the lifestyle. They've been ambassadors, um, family ambassadors for AGLCA for quite some time. So if you are a family on the loop and have some questions, we can put you in touch with Laura and she can answer those for you. But in the meantime, let's talk a little bit about the innovation awards. Tell us about uh, what those awards are, first of all, and how you got involved in the uh, selection process for that.
1: Certainly, so the innovation awards are run by the National Marine Manufacturers Association, and they are awarded at two major shows the Miami International Boat Show and ibex, which is a industry focused show for boat builders uh, at which most of the marine component manufacturers display their their various wares and so i uh, they, those shows are judged by a panel of a a jury panel of members of Boating Writers International which is the trade group for marine journalists and uh, I was asked to judge iBex a couple of years ago iBex is a fairly technology heavy show and given my technology background it was a good fit I I judged iBex I think the first show I did was maybe 3 iBexs ago um, and judge that show, and then in turn judged Miami last year, and then Ibex again. And um, uh, after a couple of times judging, one of the chairs who's been doing this for a very long time decided it was time for him to uh, retire and step away from the, the responsibilities. So I was asked to consider co-chairing which I, I co-chaired this year's Miami show. I will co-chair IBEX this fall and then share the Miami show next year. Um, the, the time in investment is not huge. It's uh, uh, mostly right around the show, a, a bunch of time spent working with all of the companies who have decided to submit uh, products for Innovation Awards. And the, the Innovation Awards were designed to recognize, uh, not to overuse the term, but to recognize new innovative products. So to be eligible to be considered for an award, the product must must have been introduced less than 12 months prior to the show and must be available for sale within 60 days of the conclusion of the show. So we're looking at really sort of Mostly looking back, but a little bit forward, at about 12 months worth of new product introductions and recognizing them for new innovations. And so, you know, one of the things that we spend a lot of time on is is clarifying that it's not a best product award. It is a most innovative product award. So. Sometimes, you know, some of the best products are on their 10th or 12th generation of refinement and refinement. And that's really not what this is about. This is about looking for those new and interesting products that might otherwise not go uh, recognized very well or might not be seen by by folks. So sometimes the, the awards are given to companies you've never heard of. Uh, and sometimes they're given to you know, some of the biggest players in the industry who have the resources to to innovate and to invest in in new and exciting.
0: And if I'm not mistaken, there's roughly 20 different categories. Today, we're just going to focus on those that would be of the most interest for uh, people on the Great Loop. So we're kind of leaving out the fishing things and and items like that. Um, But let's start with uh, cabin cruisers. And the winner in that category was Cutwater Boats for a C-32 model, which is, is, you know, kind of in line for size that some loopers would be interested in. So tell us about that boat and why it won the Innovation Award for cabin cruisers.
1: Certainly. So for, for those that don't know, and I'm actually not sure I knew this before judging the, this category, Cutwater Boats is the same parent company as Ranger Tugs. And so what you're looking at is a 32-foot cabin cruiser with a lot of the Ranger Tug-like clever use of space. So the single largest feature that caused this boat to be awarded the the award was it's a flybridge boat with a retracting flybridge in order to get the boat down to a height that it can be trailered. But there's a series of ranging from clever to truly innovative touches on the boat in order to make a 32-foot outboard powered compact cruiser live much larger than its 32-foot footprint would imply and with an incredible amount of features and comfort aboard. Uh, Ranger tugs are probably uh, you, you you I'm certain you have better data than I do, Kim, but I certainly see a lot of them flying uh AGLCA burgees and I think most loopers probably are pretty familiar with them, but uh the cutwater boats aren't as well recognized, but they are uh, uh a lot of the same kinds of ideas and a lot of the same clever use of space. And it was really around that clever use of space, in this case, in order to make the boat trailerable that we we were recognizing their design and and what they've accomplished.
0: Well, and of course, trailerable is a nice feature for somebody who's purchasing a boat for the Great Loop in the coming year because we've got the lock closures on the Illinois Waterway coming up. And for those of you who haven't looked out far enough, there's another big closure on the Illinois Waterway in 2023. So, you know, partly because newer boats, of course, have a a heftier price tag. But a lot of the the new boat purchases we see for the loop tend to be trailerable. Some of these smaller sizes, they've become quite popular. Um, So uh, kind of the the difficult question, what's the price range on the Cutwater C-32?
1: Oh, that is a good question. And I don't have that in front of me. Okay, that's fine. I will in just a minute because I I have all the information here. So let's move on to the next one, and I will come back and tell you what that one is. Yeah,
0: absolutely. The next category we are covering is the consumer electronics and mobile apps and software. So um, I'm sure that that was a big category because there are so many innovative apps out there. Um, But the winner there was, and forgive me if I mispronounce this, the Meritron N2K View anchoring app. Um, Go ahead and explain that to us.
1: Meritron is a company that makes a series of NEMA 2000 products. NEMA 2000 is the network that most of the electronics on, on a newer boat starting in about 2005 or six, will use to communicate. Uh, also, if you've done a refit of your electronics, you've almost certainly installed a NEMA 2000 network as part of that refit. But NEMA 2000 allows all of the various sensors and gauges on the boat to talk to each other. So your depth finder, your GPS, um, your, if you have temperature sensors, if you have uh, any of an, a huge number of various electronic components on the boat, NEMA 2000 is the network that ties them all together. Mertron has a software package called N2K View. N2K View allows you to view what's happening on your NEMA 2000 network, as well as bring in some other things like views of your cameras, um, other non-NEMA 2000 networked components on the boat. But it's a, it's a central place to view all of this. And, and this year, Mertron put an incredible amount of effort into developing a very sophisticated anchor alarm. Uh, it, it integrates with every sensor on the boat. So if you have a windlass, with a road counter. Some of the newest road counters that count how many feet of uh, anchor road you've deployed are NEMA 2000 linked. And so it's bringing all of this information together. And you don't have, basically all you have to have in order to use the uh, N2K view anchoring feature is a NEMA 2000 connected GPS unit. But if you have additional sensors, it will bring all of these in. But what was really Interesting, and especially to me as a, a cruiser who has uh, spent many nights at anchor and spent many hours stressing about whether I'm in the right place, whether the tide is going to impact me, you know, whether I've considered all of the appropriate factors, this is a way to collect all of that information, and it will tell you both what your scope is, if you tell it how many feet of water you're in, what the tidal range uh, is of where you are, um, and when I say how many feet of water you're in, it will also pick that up off of your depth finder. Um, it will tell you how many feet of road you sh- should deploy for five to one scope, seven and a half to one scope, whatever you you decide you want. Um, it will plot the position of the boat. It will a- adjust for the fact that your GPS unit is likely further back on the boat than the point at which your anchor attaches and tell you not only if you've swung, but also tell you if uh, for some reason, you know, maybe wind or another factor has um, dropped the water level to a concerning point. Um, it's doing a tremendous amount of math to really deliver a concise, are you in a good place and safe sort of um, uh, message with, with status lights, you know, so you'll get a green indicator if everything is good. Uh, Yellow if, you know, maybe you should be a little concerned. And red if, you know, most likely red if you've dragged anchor and you are a thousand feet from where you dropped the hook. Um, But it's a feature really designed and aimed for cruisers. And, you know, it's it's definitely nice at a big show like Miami to see a specific product really designed for the way we use our boats uh, while traveling the loop. And, you know, that's not a huge part of the market, but it's certainly very nice to see Ameritron aiming for that part of the market. And that was a big part of why they were recognized. And yeah, Kim, as you mentioned, um, the consumer electronics category is frequently a very competitive category. Um, there's some pretty deep pockets that are doing research and development year over year over year and bringing out a lot of interesting and new products. So, for a small specialty product like mertron to, to be recognized in that category was, was nice to see.
0: Yeah, and it's also yeah, nice it's that it's... Nice. It, um, an anchoring alarm, essentially, because we get a question on the forum frequently about what's the best app uh, for an anchor alarm. Um, And it really sounds like this is kind of next-gen on that and designed for cruisers, so I'm excited to see that one there as well. Um, Let's do one more before we take a break. Um, The consumer safety equipment category. And we always kind of struggle with this because we want everyone to be extremely safe while they're on the great loop. Um, But sometimes safety equipment is... uh, things that are designed really for the blue water cruiser who's out there crossing an ocean. So, uh, tell us about the ACR Rescue Link personal locator beacon, which is the award winner in the consumer safety equipment product, and tell us, you know, whether and how it applies to loopers.
1: Sure. So, let's start with a little bit of information about the category that this comes out of. So, as you mentioned, the Rescue Link view is a personal locator beacon. So, a personal locator beacon is a small device uh, maybe four inches by three inches by two inches. It's designed to be worn somewhere on your person or on your life vest. So it comes with a belt clip, comes with an inflation tube for a uh, clip for, uh, inflatable life vest, excuse me, comes with a number of ways to wear it. And it is a satellite messaging device. So it, its purpose is if you are in distress, you can deploy it and it will send a distress signal to a constellation of satellites that are monitored by um, search and rescue agencies throughout the world. Uh, once that's received, they will then begin to deploy rescue assets to come get you. It's it's in a class of devices that is also uh, covered by a device called an EPIRB, an Emergency Position Indicating Radio Beacon. And that's a device that's the same technology but made for the boat. The PLB is made to be worn on your person and PLBs can be used while you're boating, while you're hiking, hunting, snowmobiling, any range of outdoor activities. And a big part of what a PLB will do is if you get into trouble for whatever reason, whether it's you know an issue with the boat, whether you're off the boat and hiking and somebody is injured or you have a medical emergency on the boat, when you deploy that device, it sends a distress signal and also your exact location via an internal GPS receiver. So that PLB can be a big aid to rescuers to come find you. When you are in the middle of a an emergency of any sort, adrenaline takes over and it's sometimes hard to do the basic things that you otherwise would know how to do, like go find an MFD and go find your current position. This avoids having to, to do that. You can simply hit the deploy button and, and summon aid. What the this particular PLB was recognized for is, until this device, PLBs have had a couple of LEDs on them, a blue LED, a white LED, a green LED. And when you set them off they blink some series of led messages and the instruction manual told you what all those meant but if you are like most people myself included there's an excellent chance that the plb went on your life vest and the instruction manual went in a drawer um having never been touched so this has a display on it and when you set it off it says in plain easily read english you know emergency signal sent um the the device was designed in large part in response to, uh, ACR has what they call a survivor's club, which are people who have used their devices in actual emergencies. And the display was added as a result of their feedback that many of them spent very, very tense hours staring at the device, wondering if it had worked. You know, they've set it off. They had an emergency and they're looking at this thing blinking a series of uh, unusual lights and thinking, does that mean it's working? Does that mean it's not working? So the, the clarity of getting the display and the, the concise message that says, you know, your sent, signal was sent, um, was something that they all agreed would have given them tremendous peace of mind while they're waiting for rescue. Uh, you, you mentioned that, you know, a lot of safety products are designed for blue water, um, Whereas the loop is almost entirely coastal and near coastal cruising the a, a PLB um, is a product that is suitable for both use cases, both a you know a shore based or a near shore based use case as well as offshore. It will work pretty much anywhere in the world, but that anywhere in the world includes all of the cruising grounds of the great Loop and does as I mentioned, really expedite the process of of getting your location and your emergency signal out. Um, That's not to say that, you know, if you're in cellular range that grabbing a cell phone and dialing 911 might not be even more expedient and come with the, you know, the two-way confirmation from the dispatcher that yes, help is on the way. But if you are, you know, if you are out of cell range, if you aren't exactly sure where you are, all of those things, a PLB is a great safety device. Um, PLBs themselves, Start around two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars. the device with a display, I believe is around four hundred dollars um, and and as I said, you know really can be especially in those e- extremely stressful times uh, a real expedient to getting help
0: well uh, i a hundred percent agree with that um, and the other use case, and like I said, I always try to walk the line of not scaring people because the loop is a very safe trip um and uh, you know it's when people start to share their horror stories it can very quickly snowball um but i have and not loopers but i have heard of some boaters here in charleston who you know a a couple or a group of people on a boat and somebody's up driving the boat and then somebody else somehow manages to slip and fall overboard um and the person driving may not even know it for a period of time so with a couple on a great loop boat it's one of the things i worry about for all of you is you know should that happen would you know it right away? What would you do? And a, certainly, a PLB can help in that. Can help greatly in that situation. So um, I think it's something Looper should really consider adding to their list of safety equipment. Uh,
1: Absolutely, yeah. And you know, a- along those lines, um, you know, the the hardest thing in a man overboard situation is figuring out the exact point at which that person went overboard and. The, the PLB really eliminates that uncertainty if the person who went overboard has one on them, you know, ideally has that one attached to their life vest that they were wearing. Um, you know, uh, to be clear, as I sit, sit here in my glass house and throw stones, I am as guilty as anybody of not wearing my life vest all the time while we're underway. But, you know, from a safety perspective, nothing beats an inflatable uh, PFD on, on with a PLB attached. Uh, one one thing I just want to circle back to, Kim, I promised you a price on that cutwater boat. Um, the list price is $315,000 for the 32-foot the uh, cutwater.
0: Perfect. Thanks for sharing that. I think this is a great place to take a break and play a message from one of our sponsors. And when we come back, we will cover the rest of the list of the Innovation Award winners that could perhaps be useful for loopers. We'll be back in a moment.
2: Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by both the Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob? Use them to plan your Great Loop cruise and learn about the places you can visit. In the cockpit, important navigation info is always ready at your side, plus marina listings, anchorages, services, and so much more. Each Skipper Bob and Waterway Guide is updated yearly, and waterwayguide.com and skipperbob.net keep you current with navigation alerts, cruising news, fuel prices, and special deals. With the Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob at the helm, you'll always be on course. Order yours today at the AGLCA ship store at greatloop.org. Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob are proud sponsors at the Admiral level with AGLCA.
0: We're back on Great Loop Radio. We are talking today with Ben Stein. Ben is the editor and publisher of Panbo.com, and uh, just earlier this month was one of the co-chairs of the Innovation Award judging panel at the Miami Boat Show. And um, if you've listened for the whole episode, we are going through the list of some of the award winners that are in categories that might apply to loopers. So let's pick up on one that seems like a very good solution to an age-old problem on a boat. Um, The category is personal gear and soft goods uh, stay put systems is a the the winner I should say is stay put systems and their product is a magnetic coaster so tell us about the magnetic coasters
1: sure so this one's proof that in order to win an innovation award you don't have to have a huge R&D lab and develop some incredibly high-tech system this is just a clever system with a uh, silicone adhesive totally removable base that goes down on a table, um, on any surface on the boat really. And then a similar silicone adhesive magnetic pad that goes on the bottom of drinkware on the boat. And it can also go on the bottom of, uh, it was displayed on bowls, on all sorts of different things. And the idea is that, you know, when that magnetic base meets a metal impregnated um, uh, surface on the table, the drink sticks and, you know, it doesn't tip, doesn't spill, etc. So really quite simple. Um, the whole thing is designed so that they're easily removable and reattachable. The idea was that that way you can take them off, wash things and get them nice and clean and then reattach the magnetic base, move it from drinkware to drinkware, et etc. And, you know, just a, a clever and pretty simple solution to, a, as you said, a, a, an age old problem.
0: Yeah, and a great solution for cruising boats like most loopers have. You know, the the smaller, you know, runabout boats always have plenty of cup holders um, and probably don't have a table. So when you're looking at your looping boat, um, this is a great way to keep everything in place while you're underway, which is always important. So um, next one is the propulsion equipment and parts category. And the winner there was Sharrow Engineering with their Sharrow MX-1. So tell us what that is.
1: So the Sharrow MX-1 is a brand new propeller design. And if you think about propellers and think about how much change there has been in them in the last couple hundred years, there's really not much. They all kind of look like a fan. And the MX-1 is a legitimately different design to uh, a, a multi-hundred-year-old design. So it's a looped propeller. Rather than blades that go out, there's a, there are three loops that go off of it. It's hard to describe verbally. It's probably worth a quick Google search. But um, it addresses what turns out to be the biggest inefficiency of most propellers, which is rotational vortexes, these um, hurricane-like flow in the water at the tip of the propeller. And basically it's a design that eliminates the tip and with it eliminates that vortex that turns out to rob a fair amount of efficiency from the propeller. So it's been independently tested and, and verified to improve both top speed and efficiency by somewhere around 15% typically. Um, the It's a kind of fun story about how these were developed. The, the guy who design the propeller was a video producer he's not a propulsion engineer or you know doesn't work for nasa or anything like that he was a video producer and he was using drones and the propellers made a lot of noise on the drones and that was a problem in video and so he looked at why the propellers were making noise and realized that that was the sound of those little you know rotational vortices or or little hurricanes at the edge of the tips and said well what if we get rid of the tips And indeed, it made the propellers much quieter for drones. But at some point he realized, huh, this could be a lot bigger than just, you know, a quiet prop for a drone. It's also a lot more efficient. And gee, there are all these boats running around with props. They might benefit. And I think you may well see that design carried a lot of other places, you know, uh, into aviation, into any number of places. But it's not often that you see something, you know, that refines a design that really fundamentally hasn't changed in, in well over 100 years and, and comes up with something really new. So for me, at least as a judge, that was a lot of fun to see and to talk to this guy and to get his story.
0: Yeah, it sounds uh, absolutely very innovative. So um, thank you for sharing that with us. And, and so can any boat purchase this and use it instead of their existing props?
1: He they have a somewhat limited number of sizes. I think initially they're really targeting the outboard market, and they are definitely available. I think they're available in a fair number of sizes. The um, the probably the biggest limiting factor is cost. So, where in like a 15 inch outboard propeller, where a s- traditional prop might be anywhere between a couple of hundred dollars and maybe twelve hundred dollars, a Sharo prop right now is five thousand. Gotcha. So yeah. Um, I, I suspect in nearly any size, if you're willing to, to, to pay what they're asking, they'd be happy to make you one. Um, they are currently all CNC milled from a solid block of metal. Mm. Um, they are working, they have, ca- uh, gotten it to work as a cast unit that will bring the price down dramatically. So, uh, I think right now it's probably more of a, wow, this is really interesting and I'm going to watch that than it is a, Hey, here's my credit card. Can I have two?
0: <laughs> right. Okay, and then the final one we're going to cover today is the water sports equipment category. And yep. the winner there and is called pup plank and we know not all loopers will need this, but there are many, many dogs out there on the loop. So tell us what pup plank is and how it can help.
1: Yep. So it's another, you know, not it doesn't take a a, a team of 30 scientists to come up with a new product sort of thing, but it's an inflatable Uh, plank, you know, sort of probably somewhere around three feet by two foot uh, inflatable rectangle with uh, a U-shaped cutout at the end with a a net that scoops down. And that net is real tightly woven so that a dog's paws and claws can, can go in there. And it forms kind of a ramp up onto the plank. And now they're on the surface of the water and much easier to get them from the water onto the boat. So it's it has a couple of straps to attach it to the swim platform or the stern of the boat, um, and it gives the dog a way to really walk their themselves right out of the water. Uh, certainly, many people with dogs will be very well acquainted with the difficulty of getting them out of the water, especially for a, a larger dog where you know just reaching down and scooping them up might not be so viable. Uh, they come in, I think, I think it was two sizes, a, a smaller and a, a large size. The large ones are designed for pretty good-sized dogs, you know, hundred-pound dogs, in order to help them get out of the water much more easily. Um, and it's a, it's a very solid feeling thing when it's inflated. It, uh, it, if you're familiar with the inflatable stand-up paddle boards, it's actually the same um, technology used to make those. And when those are inflated, they're really rigid, so rigid, in fact, you stand on them. Um, this is the same uh, material and the same effect. And it, it, unfortunately, we did not have either a dog or um, the opportunity to test it in water at the show, but we saw quite a few videos of it in use. And it is pretty neat to just watch the dog walk right up out of the water.
0: So is it primarily for if you, you, the dog is going swimming or is it also useful if the dog, you know, in a little bit more of an emergency situation, if the dog happens to fall into the water?
1: Uh, I would think it would be equally useful for both, Um, you know, if you've got it pre-inflated. And it's not so big that you wouldn't, you know, that you wouldn't be able to have it inflated and ready. And yeah, it would be a huge asset in an emergency to get the dog quickly out of the water, I think
0: that is our list of products. Um, One more thing we want to mention before we wrap up is that uh, Ben is leading a full day seminar on the topic of marine electronics uh, just after our spring rendezvous. So it's May 8th in Norfolk. You do not have to attend the full rendezvous to be able to attend Ben's seminar. Um, There's lots of information on our website, but Ben, anything you want to say about that upcoming seminar?
1: So I think really the the purpose of the seminar is to give people a good foundation in what it takes to outfit a boat for the loop, uh, from an electronics perspective. And that's, that's both, it will be a lot about what it does take and what it doesn't take. So we talked a little bit in the safety section about, you know, the difference between some of the loop cruising and some of the blue water cruising. And I think many people, when they're outfitting their boats for the loop, myself included, have these, perhaps somewhat delusions of grandeur about the kind of cruising they're going to do and, you know, the, the need for complete self-sufficiency and all of that. And the reality is, you know, most of the loop you can navigate by making sure shore is on the port side of the boat, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> so th- you don't necessarily need, you know, the absolute latest and greatest of everything, but you do need a solid and reliable set of electronics, Um, I'm going to talk a lot about what that looks like to me, but also give some some basics uh, as you buy a new boat or uh, are re-outfitting a boat you already have. There's an alphabet soup of uh, acronyms about, you know, various components on the boat and what you you know, does this talk to that and how does that work? I'll provide a a real kind of basic uh, fundamentals view of, of what all of those things mean and what it takes to, to outfit the boat, as well as things like, uh, you know, entertainment aboard and how to get internet connectivity aboard. And um, it, it, for anybody who has attended the any of my sessions at rendezvous or lifestyle events, this will be an expanded version where I don't have to talk a mile a minute in order to get through each of the the various things. We'll be able to have some hands-on examples of the various products, the um, how it all goes together and works. So uh, a, a good opportunity to to get a lot more familiar with what you will and won't need for, for the loop.
0: Yeah, and, and Ben's been, as he said, presenting on Marine Electronics. I think the top amount of time we've ever been able to give him is 90 minutes. Um, he's always one of the top-rated speakers at our events. And when we review the feedback that we collect, um, the only complaint everybody it ever has is that they wish there had been more time to go over the marine electronics so um, that was kind of the origin of this new seminar um, so again it's May 8th in Norfolk Virginia details are on the greatloop.org website um, you can go to the events menu there and you'll see it listed um, so registration is open for that and we hope to see many of you there and with that I think we'll wrap up for today Ben thanks for joining me and for sharing all of this information we appreciate your sponsorship as well
1: Thanks, Kim. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us once again on Great Loop Radio. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, safe cruising.